Welcome to another round of Drawing Board or Miro Board. Today we discuss technical diagramming with systems architect Maya. Let's go. First question. You've spent 10 hours slogging over a sequence diagram that should have taken five. Drawing Board or Miro Board? Drawing Board. And if I'm being honest, Miro would probably cut that time down by half. You know, with its AI tools and ready-to-go templates. Next, your diagrams become so bulky, it's more complex than the solar system. But all it takes is a few clicks and... It's Miro. I've used those technical shape packs way too many times. And stuff is just digestible on its infinite online canvas. Now, the final question. Everyone's brought in. But you have to make all these tasks all the way over in Jira. But wait, it's done. Is it... Miro. Easy with its two-way Jira sync. Easy to plot dependencies. Everyone always knows what's up. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people creating technical diagrams without workflow glitches. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And a good football Friday, Birds fans. We appreciate you streaming on in here on Birds 365 with John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Uh, got a couple of good guests coming your way over the next couple of hours. Uh, Jay Maxson, you didn't show up at my house with no one else around. I left the dog by herself for five hours, and I went over to the local uh, off-track wagering spot. And wow. Dropped a couple of bucks at Keeneland and Aqueduct and the like. But uh, I hadn't gotten out and played for uh, three or four straight hours in a row for a while but uh it was fun but yeah it should have should have waited for you to show up with beers yeah i was i was there when me and the dog had a couple you did yeah you, you honked a couple yeah. of times and you saw said, well, moxie at the here. window yeah oh well i'm uh, sorry about that my apologies I that's didn't why she it. made it for the five hours i let her oh, out okay. she did her business saw your smiling face and she <laughs> figured she was okay all right that's good to know uh, obvious right. dog lover so uh, you and I both, and uh, a nice little morning to get the dog out. Uh, a little chill in the air, but it's going to warm up today. It was in the 80s yesterday. Uh, so luckily, spring is here. We're doing that countdown thing, spring, summer, first game of the regular season now, 149 days. But the most important countdown is the days to the draft. 13 to go. Uh, next Thursday night will be round number one, day number one. And, John, I did spend some time on a couple of uh, my favorite football sites yesterday. And it just continues to amaze me. Uh, you've been doing this a long time. I've been doing it slightly longer. Both of us uh, have logged many a lead-up to draft years. I do not remember the actual prognostications. And now there are more than ever before. Shoot, I go back when yeah, Mel Kuyper's draft guide uh, – my buddy Dave T. Thomas's draft guide. There were four or five of them. Our lads' draft guide. Yeah, That's still about going. It. By the way, our lads. Mel's. Yeah, I don't know if Mel still does his guide. If he does, I haven't seen it. But I used to have all those. I used to love Mel's. Guide. Right, but when you had all those, you had all five of them. Yeah. Now there's two thousand of them, oh, and you've okay. got to uh, be on top of each and every single one of them. And it just is amazing to me that there's not even close to a consensus. 
whether you're talking about the first five picks, the first 10 picks, the 20 picks, uh, our guy, Kyle Hamilton, is going anywhere from number four to number 21 or 22. That just doesn't happen, John. All right, you're off by a couple of spots here, there. One team likes a player more than another. But usually there's a pretty good grasp of where the players rank, how they should be looked at, where they're probably going to come off the board. Man, there are derivations out there this year. Yeah, and I think it starts with, you know, I think Kyle's the hot-button player because of, you know, if he doesn't run poorly, it's not even a question. You know, he's a top five pick at worst, top ten. Uh, maybe because of the position, but unfortunately he didn't run well. Um, more at his pro day than the combine. I think it was fine at the combine. wasn't great, but I, I, I think it was a four five nine. And if you look at Justin Simmons, who we brought up earlier this week, I think he ran a four six one. He's arguably the best safety in football right now. So um, it's not a death sentence that you can't play. Um, if you run a four or five nine at safety and, and you and I have been above board and it's been pretty consistent. And I think that's, you know, that's what we don't know. It's like, well, what do NFL teams think? We, we, you know, we don't have all the information that they have. So we get, I think a little bit too hung up on measurables, uh, particularly, um, you know, combine numbers and, and pro day numbers and pro day numbers, which are just, all over the place. If you're at Penn State, you're going to run a four-four. If you know, if you got the right scout with the quick trigger, you're going to run a four-six. I mean, it, 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 from teams' perspective, they get those real numbers from people they trust and blah 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 and all that stuff. Um, but I, I do think it's overrated overall. That from every coach I've talked to over the years, you know no doubt about it. You have to reach a certain level of athleticism to be able to play professional football and each position needs some different things. But once you hit that level and once they know you, you have the physical capabilities, then it's about all the other stuff, which is far more important. Uh, and, you know, from a film perspective, there's a lot of dumb teams in the NFL, but I can't believe there's that many dumb teams that Kyle Hamilton is going to fall in the 20s. Well, you know, could, you know, you go back to last year, same school. I would have said the same thing about the linebacker, uh, Owosu Koromoa, not to Hamilton's degree, but that was supposed to be a top 15 pick, a top 20 at the worst. And all of a sudden, he falls in the second round. You say, what the heck is going on here? And well, he's got a health problem. He's got a heart issue. And that explains it. And oh, by the way, he played and he was the top 15 pick. He was I one of the it. best players in the draft. So we didn't get it wrong. The people that said this kid can play, he can play. But there were some concerns uh, over a health issue. And that caused him to drop a little bit. So. Yeah, we unfortunately we don't get all the information we need. And the most important information tends to be health information, things like that. Um, and and that usually there's usually an explanation for drops, and it's usually not he ran a four or five nine. You know, it's usually some kind of health issue, off the field issue, concern, blah blah blah. 
you know, if you want to go all the way back to Aaron Rodgers and personality, this, and it's, it's usually something goofy that doesn't relate to the film. Um, and, and usually there's not multiple teams. There's, there's definitely bad organizations. We're going to start with a bad organization. Number one overall, that is a horrific organization. Doug, if you're listening, Godspeed, good luck to you. I mean, they're just a disaster in everything they do. Um, so that, that fuels into the uncertainty. What, what, you know, it's, it's a draft that doesn't have a top quarterback. So you, you, you can probably justify if you're Carolina taking Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, but you can't do it at number one and they wouldn't want it because they're back-to-back number ones anyway. But even for somebody who wanted to trade up to the Jacksonville spot, well, you, you generally want to trade up for a quarterback. You right. don't want to no, trade absolutely. up to, for an edge rusher that might not even be as good as the second or third edge rusher, depending on which player you like. So it's just there's not a quarterback, and the best players don't play positions the NFL values on draft day, and the ones that do play those positions – aren't as good as the recent ones. So if you look at Aiden Hutchinson, for instance, or uh, Kayvon Thibodeau or Trayvon Walker, they're not Miles Garrett. They're not the Bosa twins. They're not even Chase Young from a prospect standpoint. They've got uh, decisions to make. And I'll just say this for uh, Kyle Hamilton, if he does come down to number 15 and Eagles are quick enough, smart enough to take them. Uh, sometimes information is accurate, evaluations are accurate, and sometimes they're off a little bit. And Eagles should be happy that uh, two decades ago, uh, the rest of the National Football League decided to pass on Brian Dawkins all the way through the first round into the second round where the Eagles were able to get him. If I remember correctly, same thing, Dawk didn't uh, light up the scoreboard out in Indianapolis, didn't run as fast as some other safeties, and therefore he dropped down and the Eagles were lucky enough to get him in the second round. Now, Hamilton's not going all the way to the second round, but if he drops down to number 15, I would surely take him. Um, John, you and I have discussed for the last uh, 10 days about who the Eagles are bringing in for their pre-draft visits, and you said, Jody, the individual names are important, but also keep an eye on the positions, that that can be as telling as the individuals they're bringing in. They've been active at the wide receiver spot. Uh, they brought in or are bringing in a safety over the next couple of days, uh, the Penn State kid. Uh, so there are positions that they're, they're uh, giving us a peek at that they're at least considering, which is a bigger need for the Eagles, a second wide receiver behind Devontae Smith or a top, I'm sorry, Anthony Harris, but if they take a, a, a safety with the first pick of the draft, that'll be safety one if we had such a thing in the NFL. Which position, in your estimation, is more important for the Eagles to fill uh, wide receiver? Well, I'll ask you a question before I answer that, Jody. Uh, do you believe the Eagles? If you believe the Eagles, uh, wide receiver would be the more important position because they need to evaluate the quarterback and they have to build around the quarterback and they have to get the quarterback weapons. Um, I don't believe the Eagles. So, you know, how do you want to go? How do you want to go about this? How do you want to build? How do you want to, how do you right. want to try uh, to win games? 
let me I, let me rephrase the question because you did you turned it around on me, which you should have. Um, if uh, Howie Roseman called John McMullen this afternoon and said, "Listen, I need a little advice here. We're kind of at a toss-up position between the two." As a matter of fact, if I can show you my draft board, which I won't because you're a dreaded member of the media, uh, we have the exact same grade on Hamilton and Olave. We'll use him as an ex example because they brought him in yesterday. So it purely comes down to, for us, which of the two guys is a bigger help to the team, year one, year three, year five, year ten. Uh, if he was asking for your advice, which way would you tell him to go? Well, in that uh, scenario, that I take Kyle Hamilton, but that's kind of unfair to Chris Olave because I love Kyle. I think Kyle Hamilton's the best football player in the draft. I really do. Yep. I think he's the best football player in the draft. Um, so maybe the better would be Dax Hill or or Chris Olave, uh, and and then I think it's a it's a far more difficult decision for me. And I would probably still lean toward defense because I think this is going to be a running base team again, uh, and not necessarily conventionally as they weren't last year. Their leading rusher last year, I think people forget, had whatever Miles had, 757 yards, whatever the number was. Um, you know, the quarterback's a big part of that rushing attack. Um, so I think they're going to use that unconventional compared to the rest of the league offense again. And if you want to win games that way, you got to make sure the defense is, is a lot better. And they've made at least incremental improvements with Hassan Reddick and, and Kaiser White, but they've also taken steps back with no Steve Nelson and Rodney McLeod. Now they wanted to get better at those positions anyway, but you have to get better. So one of the things everyone says, Jody, you know, pre, when when free agency starts in this league, you want to fill as many holes as possible with at least band-aids so you don't feel this necessity to reach for a particular position. And I was thinking about this yesterday. When when from the start of free agency to now, I think the Eagles have look like they they have more needs than when they started this process. And Howie's right when he says, this is a snapshot. This is, we still got the draft. We still got post-draft. You know, Tyron Matthews out there. You know, if he comes in all of a sudden after the draft, you're like, oh, that's pretty, that's pretty good at safety. That's an improvement of us. So there's plenty of room to improve. And he's 100% right when he says that. However, if you use that thought process, which he's always said, him and every other GM, well, to this point, you haven't done a good job because you're heading to the draft when we say, what if you want to take um, the kid from Jordan? What if Jordan Davis is there at 15? But you feel this in incredible need to, well, we got to get a wide receiver. We, we haven't been able to get um, – Calvin Ridley and Robert Woods and Alan Robinson and Christian Kirk. What if you feel that need to say, well, there's only one corner left and we, we, we don't have the safety net. We can't, we can't call Steve Nelson after the draft and say, Steve, come back. Um, what if you feel that compelling and you take a player who isn't as good 
as a player you could get, but you have more talent at that particular position. I don't think Howie Roseman has set the Eagles up well T minus two weeks to the draft. I think they're 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 more susceptible. Doesn't mean they have to reach, but they're more susceptible to reach now because they haven't filled the holes they've needed to build with at least safety nets. You and I agree on that. All right, so let's try and fill one of those holes right here, right now. You and I get the message to Howie. Um, two of the best free agents left on the market are both secondary players. I'd rank them both in the top five, as a matter of fact, maybe the top three. Um, and I'm referring to the Honey Badger and Stefan Gilmore. There was a report out there yesterday that Gilmore is talking to the Rams. Well, there was a report out there that the Honey Badger was talking to the Rams. Does just every good free agent end up at the Rams? Well, they, yeah, they want to. Number one, it's win LA. Number two, they're coming off a championship. Um, I don't think the Rams are getting both, but if they got one out of two, so be it. If players are willing to take a little bit less than they could get somewhere else just to go to Hollywood, there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, some people consider Hollywood to be more of a destination than Philadelphia. I don't, but uh, I don't matter. I'm already here. Um, let's say the Rams are going to get one of the two which that means the other one is not going to Hollywood, going somewhere else. One of the other 31 teams, and maybe the Eagles could jump in if they had the desire and the money to be able to put a pretty good deal on the table. If they could be the aggressor rather than the Rams, the Rams offers they're out there for both players, and they're both sitting on them. They'd like to get more, but they're not getting more from L.A. Which one would be the better fit for the Eagles? just uh, average market deal, not above and beyond, not paying a tax, but also not getting them cheap. What John McMullen would consider a fair market deal, both one years for either of those players, which one do you think is a better fit with the Eagles? I think Tyran. It's probably not even close, uh, the honey badger, because that's the type of player Jonathan Gannon wants. And, you know, the versatile safety that can move around and play a bunch of different positions. And they play a lot of cover two anyway. Now, I presume if they get a better corner opposite Darius Slay, he might be able to do some different things. But either way, he's going to be a heavy zone guy. So I don't I don't think you, – I think you can cobble it through. I think last year's a perfect example. I mean, Steve Nelson did a fine job as a compliment. And, you know, part of the reason is he's not out there on an island a ton where maybe he could get exposed with a, a lack of speed. So I think you could mask more issues at corner than you can at safety in his particular defense, what he wants to do. So I don't think that's close, but I think the Eagles are waiting and they're playing this waiting game. Like they want to see what they get in the draft. And all right, you know, maybe it all works out. Um, but if it doesn't, and all of a sudden, like you said, the Rams, um, the Colts are, seem to be zeroing in on on Stephon Gilmore and a bunch of indie reporters were you know buzzing yesterday saying they want to get something done Indianapolis is serious uh with Stephon Gilmore so all of a sudden if they get him and then you have uh Matthew who, who you know part of this might be his agent let's be honest I mean I, I haven't heard much from the Rams side. I've heard more from the 
from the Matthews side. Same with the Saints. I mean, he wants to play in New Orleans. I don't think there's a ton of interest. So he might fall into the Eagles' lap. And, you know, they might be playing this right. Um, but it is a gamble. It is a gamble when you do that and you wait and, and you wait to see what you get in the draft. And or the gamble being you might get the player, but you might get him on a bad deal. That they sniffed the desperation because you didn't fill that void. You were looking to fill in the draft, so they're in a better position than you have to acknowledge, hey, we got to do something. We can't just go back out there with what we have as of right now. So you end up paying the guy a little bit more. Uh, we don't know how it's going to shake out. Here's what we do know. 13 days from now, some questions will be answered. They'll be further answered when they get out there on the field. More important answer when they get out there on the field. But at least on paper, we'll know the guys will be in green come August when they get down to uh, the uh, training center for the birds. All right. Uh, we got two good guests coming your way. Hour number two. It's going to be our bud. The oh, Ed, Ed just Mabel. popped on. Ed, you're at 920 today. Oh, I thought that was uh, <laughs> our first guest. Uh, uh, isn't Ed at 920? Minnie's at 820, or am I screwing this up? No, I don't you, want... you got it right. Eddie's just up and at him early. We usually yes. punch him up at 820. Yeah, he's used you, to it. You, That's my fault. I you, should have emphasized 920. Okay. Hopefully, Ed Kratz can still be here at 920. Well, here, here's what you do. Ed, you stay give me a Ed, thumbs up. What, what's he going to do? Uh, go out and walk the dog, <laughs> too, like you and I? So we just yeah. tell him to hang out in case uh, Vinny bags. Because our two scheduled guests were Vinny Serrato, former general manager, of the uh, Washington football team, used to be the Redskins, now the Commanders, call them whatever the hell you want, uh, the nation capitals football squad, uh, their former general manager turned talk show host in Baltimore, Vinny Serrato, scheduled to join us, as is the other half of the Eagles Maven on Sports Illustrated, Ed Kratz. Here's a teaser if there ever was one. We're going to take a quickie timeout, then you're going to come back and find out Who's joining the show? Will it be Vinny Serrato or will it be Ed Kratz? Stick around and find out. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Donald McMullen and our first guest of the day, the former general manager of the Washington football team doing middays on 105.7 The Fan down in Baltimore, NFL guru, Vinny Serrano. How are you, Vin? Good morning, guys. Morning, Vinny. Good to see you. Um, it's exciting. Yep. It's always exciting to get a former, um, uh, former NFL high-level exec on the program. So it's especially exciting at draft time because we're T minus two weeks. I want to start there. We have so many controversies uh, with your your old Washington football team. We got to get into that, but I want to hold that. I I want to talk about the stage of the draft and where we are here. How quickly, typically, in your time in the league, do people set that draft board? Where should they be right here? Because here in Philadelphia, we, we're still hearing about top 30 visits, and we're we're two weeks out. So how malleable is that stuff this close to, to day one of the NFL draft? Yeah, it's it's all still part of the process, you know. And we didn't we didn't finalize I I never finalized our board. You got it frozen. I got frozen. I didn't want. Jody. I didn't yeah. trust anybody, Here so me. I didn't want to show anybody. I didn't want to show anybody the draft board. That that was the. Thing. Yeah, Xander, we yeah, we're good. We're gonna. I don't know to... if it's uh, it's because Vinny. I I, I look like Vinny was uh, attempted to do it via his phone, which. If you get out and about, sometimes you uh, unfortunately lose. The By strength. the way, I, w- I was doing a phone hit somewhere else for on StreamYard for for another show, and they had a bunch of problems with me using the phone. I never had those problems before. I wonder if StreamYard's having some issues when people using their phone. Mm-hmm. But uh, hopefully, we'll get Benny back. He just popped back up. Let's see if Xander. So we lost you, Benny. Yeah, describe. You were in the midst of describing where we are sort of in the process. Yeah, two weeks out. Two weeks out, you're still a long ways away because you can do the 30 visits till, I think, till today. Today's the last day. And then um, i tell you how important those visits are. I mean, we had different guys come in that, you know, during the visit – you know, because I always felt like during those, those kids can be programmed by their agents for 15 minutes. But when they're at your facility for 24 hours, the real guy's going to come out. We had one. How about, well, it probably wouldn't surprise you now, but like 
Kellen Winslow. Kellen, oh, we got Kellen. We're going to get, yeah. I assume he was talking you know, about Joe's Kellen Joe's waiting Winslow in the lobby. Jr. Joe calls me, says, no, Kellen. So he goes up, knock, knocks on the door, and nothing. So then he knocked again, and then Kellen comes like real groggy, like, hello, you know? And then um, then he comes over to the facility. He's over to the facility, and we're saying, where's Kellen? Sleeping, you know? So, I mean, and, and it came down to um, Kellen Winslow and Sean Taylor, you know, for the fifth pick of the draft that year, both teammates, both Miami guys, but those kind of things – you know, are things that happen, you know, during those 24 hours. We had another one. I won't tell you his name, but we had everybody was there. We were at the Morton's. We had a private room, and we're sitting there with all – it was a defensive player. First round, like it was going to be a top 10 pick. And we're sitting at the table. I was there, decor, Greg Blosh, Dan Snyder. Everybody was there. And when he left, everybody to a man says, no way we will draft that kid zero chance you know he was kind of a jerk you know so i mean you learn a lot about those things we had another kid that we brought in because we we wanted to check his met uh his, his learning how did he learn you know because there was questions you know he had a real low wonder lick and there was questions from the scouts on how well he learned so we want we brought him in put him on the board then took him outside and had him walk through and then come back and then and then talk through it you know, so it was going to be a process with that kid, you know, so those are the kinds of things that, you know, you're doing on those visits. It's not just showing up. He's spending, he's spending most of that time. If he's an offensive player, he's spending most of that time with the offensive coaches. And then maybe a player comes to dinner, you know, with us also. A couple good stories there, Vin. Let me ask you if you have one in particular where you had a kid, and maybe you brought him in and you decided either A, he was a jerk, or B, not a hard enough worker. But the tape just said, yep. man, this kid can flat out play. He's a stud. He's athletic. He's got so many things going for him that I, I don't care. We'll we'll coach the jerk out of him. We'll get him to become a worker. He's a better player than where we're thinking about taking him in the draft or vice versa. A kid that you didn't take that you go, damn, we should have known we could – uh, improve his attitude because he's just that talented a player. You ever have one of those uh, where the evaluation of the skills didn't match up to the personality of the player? Oh, Vinny's unfortunately dropping. That's uh, one of those days, Jody. The it dropping. May well be. Yeah. Uh, what can you do? Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to get uh, Vinny back because these these are such interesting stories when it comes to me. I mean, Kellen Winslow. Hey, the fact that Kellen Winslow, and let's make this clear, Kellen Winslow Jr., not Kellen Winslow Sr. Right. The fact that he was sleeping is probably better than what could have been what's going on in, in you know, in the ensuing years. So, um, but yeah, I mean. Benny brings up a good point, you know, an agent, and that's part of the problem with sort of the modern NFL, like in the combine as well. I talk about it all the time. These guys finish their college stuff, Jody, and they start uh, to prepare for specific combine drills. Like I always say back in the old day, when the combine started, um, guys are just showing up. They played football. They just show up. They weren't specifically gearing up for the, so 
if somebody ran fast, you know, oh, this guy's fast. They weren't training like a track star at all these facilities to make sure they're peaking for one day in, 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 at the scouting combine. So um, it's changed from that perspective. And then Vinny's point about the interviews, you can prepare a kid for 15 minutes yep. to be on his P's and Q's. You can't do it if they're there for a whole day. I mean, the, the real person is going to, is going to come out at that point. And Oh, by the way, do I know this to be the fact? No. Do I have heavy supposition? It is the case. Yes. Uh, we forget that leading into this year's combine, the NFL wanted to make it a closed combine. And they did so under the mask of COVID protection. Yeah. That they wanted to limit the number of individuals who could come into the combine and help the player and be by the player's side. They were trying to get a truer read on the players, what they were trying to do. Keep them from being coached up and have information. And yeah. during that 15 minutes, they said, Ooh, we want to do this for the players' protections. Well, the agents jumped up and go, no, 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 no. You're not doing that. You're not closing down the combine. If we have to, we'll pull 300 kids out of there and not uh, give you a look at these guys. And to the agent's credit, they pulled it off and the NFL backed off and said, all right, we'll let people in. But uh, don't kid yourself. Um, yeah, I'm accusing them of being uh, untruthful. Sorry, that's just the way I see it. Uh, they were trying to give themselves a chance to get uh, indoctrinated with the kids with a less than prepared style for the combine. And that's why they wanted to put a lid on the combine. Didn't happen. But uh, I think I knew what the actual purpose of trying to make it a uh, more buttoned down combine was. Yeah. Uh, you agree with me? Yeah, no, I agree. And they should have moved it to Philly if they wanted that. <laughs> but with and they would have been able to cut it down with the with the city's uh blessing. But uh I joke, of course. But yeah, I mean they want these kids to show their real personalities. And Benny was kind of mentioning it as well. Um about the I think he said defensive prospect who was, you know, lights out from the tape perspective and then goes to dinner with everybody in Morton's and everybody doesn't like them. Um, you know, that happens as well. And we, we've seen that. That was the knock on Aaron Rodgers. It, it's always the knock on quarterbacks because quarterbacks have to get along with everybody. We saw that with Carson Wentz here going in a negative direction. Nobody brought it up leading up to the draft. I think it was a different – in Carson's case, it wasn't an overt – you know, personality where people don't like him. He's more of an introvert, I always say. So it's a little bit different. But, yeah, if you show up with this cocky attitude and turn everybody the wrong way and even something as little as that, these are human beings. That that affects things. That affects how people um, view you. And in the world of analytics, you know, people might scoff at that, but I don't know how you fix people to say, oh, let's ignore um, the fact this guy's an a-hole because your numbers in a computer say he can play. I mean, it, the, you can't just make people do that. You can't just make people turn off that part of their brain, so to speak. All right. Uh, I want to ask a comparable question. Uh, Eagles first overall pick in this year's draft at number 15 specific. Uh, yesterday, they had Chris Olave in uh, for an interview and a workout. 
the studly wide receiver from Ohio State. Um, both Garrett Wilson and Olave, I think, are, are guaranteed first-round picks. The question is, in what order? The bigger question is, will either or both be available when the Eagles pick at number 15? Uh, another guy who's been talked about as a high first-round pick has been um, Drake London, the kid from USC, who's a bigger wide receiver, who's a taller wide receiver than either of the two Ohio State kids. And we know what Devontae Smith is. We know what he's capable or we believe we know what he's capable of. And we also know what kind of and size wide receiver he is. How big a deal is it in your mind, John, to get a bigger wide receiver, a guy who's going to be able to play on the outside, maybe a little bit more that you wouldn't think about putting in slot. Then again, there are some teams that put big guys in the slot and think they can take that much more of an advantage over a smaller uh, inside corner. Um, trying to get a wide receiver whose physical capabilities are a little different than Devonta Smith. How big a deal is that to you? It's not as big a deal as it once was um, for a couple reasons. One, because the Eagles have gone this route in the past and they failed uh, trying to find specific types of players. So, you know, they failed. They're, Are you referring to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside? Is that what you're getting them, at? But I'm also uh, talking about Jalen Rager as well, different type of players. So they've gone for types of receivers. And, you know, typically wide receivers, you have Z, X, and flex or slot. Um, now, Nick yeah, Sirian- you want to do, do a solid for our listeners. I think most of our listeners, John Bird's 365 viewers, um, are pretty well in tune, but maybe we've got a couple of casuals. Uh, break down the types of wide receivers that you're referring to, to any of the casual football fans that are listening. Well, I think everybody that. understands slot, and you know, that's you know, sort of you think of the Wes Welker types, the Julian Edelmans in New England, the, the small, quick guys. <clears throat> Typically, as you mentioned, there's sometimes Jordan Matthews here was a slot receiver, is a bigger guy had some success, especially early in his career. But generally, it's those small, quick guys who have that great short area quickness and uh, are really good on option routes, chain movers, good third down receivers. Um, I think everybody kind of understands the slot probably better than anything else. Devontae's a traditional Z, you know, and and the X's think Alshon Jeffrey, you know, the big six-foot-three um, guy, and that's at the height of his career. He's the perfect example of an X receiver. <clears throat> now, Nick Sirianni has always said he doesn't like, you know, pigeonholing guys, and he wants guys to play everywhere. And that, you know, if you can do that, that's great because um, you never know where somebody's going to line up, what they're going to do, what their responsibility is. If you can morph different players into different positions, that's all well and good. My point is the Eagles have failed trying to get that all Sean Jeffrey type, J.J. Ortega Whiteside. They failed trying to get sort of the more modern, and I'll throw in the manufacturer touch guy, who sort of is usually going to play uh, Z uh, or slot. But, you know, if you're Debo Samuel, you can play running back. You play anywhere. And that's sort of the new age football of a guy who can truly – like you can say it, Nick has said it. Oh, I want everybody to play different positions. 
but not everybody can play those different positions the way they need to be played. A guy like Debo Samuel can. Um, those are few and far between. So long story short, Jody, if I'm the Eagles, I'm just taking the kid who could play, sort of like last year. Now, I always say with receivers, from my perspective, and I talked about early in the show, once you reach that baseline level of being the type of athlete that you can play receiver at a high level in the NFL, and you know the names, we, we've talked about them, Jamison Williams, uh, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, um, Dotson, Burks, those, those are the potential first-round picks. Um, they, they can all play from an athletic standpoint. So to me, the greatest indicator of success once you reach that level by far is route running. Where are they when it comes to route running? Devontae, the great, the best, we, we just saw a bunch of them. Devontae Adams, maybe the best route runner. If he's not, Stephon Diggs might be. <laughs> he might be the best route runner in football. Tyree Kill's a great route runner. Um, these guys not only have that top-tier athleticism, but they can create separation just because they're so sharp with their routes. Um, and, you know, sometimes those contested catch guys, they can create separation. And guess what? It's easier to make contested catches at the college level than the pro level. And that becomes a problem. And then the manufactured touch guys are the biggest problem at all. Because if you have to be cognizant as a play caller, this guy can't win on a route. So I have to get him the football. I have to manufacture a touch. That is difficult. That is difficult to do from a discipline perspective. It's difficult to get back to and say, I got to get back to this. I got to get back to this. Whereas you, you can just point to a guy and say, run this route, run this route, run, and he's going to get open. Those are the great receivers. And that's why if I'm the Eagles, I'm looking at Jamison Williams, even with the injury, I'm looking at Garrett Wilson, but I don't think Wilson is going to be there. And then probably Chris Olave would be number three. The thing with manufactured touches, and that's a a relatively new phrase in the National Football League. Some phrases have been around for 50 years. Others get created as we go, as the game changes. But manufactured touch is one that's only been around for a couple of years. And in the Eagles case, yes, we believe they attempted to do some of that with Jalen Rager. Um, Here's the issue for me with manufactured touches. You have to be perfect. There can't be if you're just going to be throwing the football down the field, trusting your wide receiver on his ability to either get open or run the pinpoint perfect route. The thing with the manufactured touch is everything has to go exactly right because you're basically giving the defense a chance to play straight up. There's nothing in motion at a time. Everybody's coming forward toward the football. So you have to have the perfect throw with the perfect first move with everybody, and I mean everybody, with the perfect first block. Otherwise, you're going to get caught for a four or five-yard loss. It's it's foolish. It's got upside potential, but it's got more downside than anything else. And I'll give the Eagles offensive line credit. 
And there are other wide receivers we always hear about how great a blocker J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is. And Devontae Smith, is, as small as he is, is willing to put in the work and the effort to try and block. Notes on the player. It's Jalen Rager. They thought he was going to be a guy who was going to be able to do something once he got the ball in his hands with great moves and with great acceleration. He just doesn't have it. That's the problem. I don't think the the plan to do so is necessarily off. And or most of the execution for them this past year was necessarily off. No, I just think it was the wrong player. That's why I'm not averse to them if they decide to do it, having another player like that. Now, I wouldn't do it with Burks in the first round. But if there's someone later in the draft, the second wide receiver you're going to take who's a manufactured touch guy, I wouldn't be afraid of it just because it didn't work with Jalen Works. Well, uh, I, I, by the way, you're right. I'm wrong. I'll say that, right? You can't run your team like that and say, because we failed with Jalen Rager, we can't do it again. But uh, <laughs> the, when you get burned that badly, it's tough to go back that quickly. But you're right. You should always not – Jalen Burks has nothing to do with Jalen Rager. So it's not his fault that Jalen Rager didn't succeed in Philadelphia or hasn't succeeded to this point. So you're 100% right there. But my my bigger thought is you have a better chance to get it right with somebody who can just run the route for you. Yeah. You've just a better chance to get it right because they have – because guess what, Jody? You can also get them the football in a manufactured way. You can get them involved with bubble screens. Now, you're probably not going to do as much – running from the backfield or Debo Samuel stuff or jet motion or, or that kind of stuff, but you can still get them manufactured touches. And if they're able to get open and then on the back end of that, you talk about the Eagles quarterback and Jalen hurts and whatever you think about Jalen hurts. If you're being honest with yourself, he is a guy who was not at this stage of his career, an anticipatory thrower. So in other words, he is not going to throw people open. He's throwing to open receivers. So go get a receiver who can get open, like Devontae Smith. And that's why they hit on Devontae Smith. Do it again. You, you might have to wait for Jameson Williams, um, but he would be my pick, number because I think he's the best receiver in the draft. Um, and then Garrett Wilson, who I don't think is going to be there, and then probably Chris Olave. So those are the three I would center in on if I were the Eagles, if I were the Eagles. Uh, what the Eagles are going to do, I don't know, but they're going to they're going to get a receiver in the top 51. And it might be in the second round. If it's the second round, you're probably looking at the big X receiver that I talked about. They had George Pickens in from Georgia. He's a big X receiver. You know, Christian Watson, I don't think he's going to fall that far, but he's a big X receiver. If they wait, they're probably just going to go for that. And I would put Wilson ahead of Williams only because of the health issue. Um, and I think over time, Williams is going to be fine. Uh, if if I believe that it was just going to be a half a season wait till Williams was there, I don't even know if that's going to be – a fair or accurate description. I, I want to see results year number one. I get it. It's the big picture five years. You open the guys here for eight years as a player, and, and that has to be a big consideration as well. I rate them both basically evenly, and because of the fact that you're going to have to wait for Williams a little bit, that would be enough 
uh, for me to take Wilson if if they're all on the board, which we know they're probably not going to be. That's why we're waiting here 13 days. Can't get here fast enough that we get the Thursday night and see how it all shakes out. One of the things that has been shaken out, our conversation, other people's conversations, and again, uh, it's all informed speculation, but that's all that is is speculation at this point. Don, we've stopped talking about edge rushers. Uh, that uh, that was for a longest period of time leading up to the draft before they dropped down and decided we're only taking two first-round picks rather than three, made the trade with the Saints that they did. When we, we believe that the Eagles have taken three, people, uh, three players in the first round in the first uh, 18, oh, you know they're taking an edge rusher. Nobody's saying we know they're taking an edge rusher anymore. And you know what that means, Johnny Mac. Yeah, you're that not much happy more about Derek that. Barnett in the lineup for the Eagles this coming season. Yeah, the not- only the only place we differ there is uh, if people aren't talking about edge rusher as much, uh, but I think that's because it's becoming pretty clear that well, at best one is going to be on the board of that top five at best. Um so how do you get the edge rusher? I think they're getting an edge rusher in the top 51 picks. Uh, and and we mentioned the top 30 visits. They had the kid in from Penn State. Um, they had uh, D'Angelo Malone, who's uh, a lesser-known kid from Western Kentucky. He's going to probably be a day-two pick. I mean, they're, they're still going to get an edge rusher. Um, I don't know if they're going to be in a position – to get an edge rusher at 15 or 18. And if they are, it's probably going to be Carl Optis. And there's another one of those guys who all over the place. I've seen some people say somebody might go for him uh, in the top 10. And I've seen him falling into the mid twenties. So maybe he's there. Maybe he isn't. I don't know where the Eagles are on, on, did they like him as a player? I knew, know they worked him out privately. Um, so they've done their homework. Uh, but he's the guy. So if he's there at 15 or 18, would I take him? I would take him. I would take him. I don't know if the Eagles are going to take him. But I but here's where I am um, with those top 51 picks. So I'll go into the second round. I think they're going to come out of there with an edge rusher, a wide receiver, and a corner. And I'm not sure, and that kind of brings us back to where we started the show, I don't want to be in that position. Like, if Jordan Davis is there, I want to take Jordan Davis. Right. Um, I I don't think the Eagles have, have put themselves in a good position entering draft night. I really don't. I think they're short. I think your analysis is on point and accurate and how he will feed us what he fed us at the owners meeting a couple of weeks ago. Hey, it's the long haul. Uh, we, we need to evaluate the roster when we show up in training camp till then there's a lot of maneuvering to do. The draft is the biggest part of it, but there's still free agents out there, but the free agents are dwindling. Every single day, another guy comes off the board. Maybe not one of the big ones, but a name or two signs basically every day in the National Football League during the offseason. Yeah, you want to give your, you want to get as much done as you can. You don't want to overpay. You don't want to make a mistake, but you do want to have pieces in place before the draft ever comes up. And for both John and myself, it sounds like we both believe there's a couple too many holes 
to fill with the draft, even with extra picks this year. And one of eight teams in the league that have two first round picks. They've also got holes. So we'll see if Harry Roseman can get it done. All right, Jody McDonald and John McMahon. We are your Birds 365 guys. We're sorry that we couldn't continue the conversation with Vinny Serrato, the ex general manager of the Washington football team. Uh, just. Uh, Technical difficulties. Happen. It happens. It, can't, it happens. You can't In a streaming world. We got, come on. Everybody talks about streaming, streaming, streaming. Come on, StreamYard. Get it, <laughs> get, get it together. You should so, be able to do these things on the phone. People are busy. Benny took time out to do the show. And, you know, what can you do? Yeah, there's nothing. There's sometimes technical difficulties get the better of you. We'll shoulder on because... McMullen looks okay. I well, never look good, that. but uh, at least <laughs> pass is passable uh, for the day. We'll get another uh, follically challenged individual up here about a half of an hour from now. Ed Kratz, uh, Sports Illustrated, Eagles Maven with Johnny Mac. We'll jump aboard. Come back. We haven't talked quarterback in a while. Maybe we need to talk a little quarterback because uh, John. Kyler Murray. When does that start, Jody? When does that start? Kyler Murray to the Eagles? Well, we'll yeah. see if John McMullen wants to start it. Next here on Birds 365. <laughs> Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. 
go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Get your Mac and Mac guys holding down the court on a football Friday here on Birds 365. We ask all our loyal streamers to do what, J Mac? Uh, like, share, and subscribe. Even Hit if that you don't like, like come I on, what do you got better Eagles. to do? Yeah, you help your boys out. Do us yeah. a solid. Hit the like button. We could use your help. Uh, hopefully, you like the show. Uh, so you, there's no reason for you not to hit the button. Um, don't know if the uh, Arizona Cardinals like Kyler Murray as much as he likes would like to be liked at this time, Johnny Mac. Uh, do I believe Kyler Murray's coming here to fill it up the Eagles? No, I don't. But uh, that there are implications of what's going on out in Arizona that could hit here in Philadelphia before you know it. We've talked enough about what happens if Jalen Hurts has an improved season and steps up and is better. Finished unquestioned franchise quarterback, that's unlikely. But he takes a good stride or two in the right direction. Then guess what? The Eagles are in the same position the Cardinals are right now. Year to go, do you extend him? Or do you just let it sit out there and the potential of having to throw a franchise tag on, which is a major jump up in salary and the like, if it can happen to Kyler Murray as the number one pick, it could surely happen to Jalen Hurts as uh, a second round pick. Um, it's it's always a strange and strained dance that teams have to do with starting quarterbacks in this league. Yeah, and I think you know part of and and by the way, I agree with this. Part of the reason people don't think that's going to happen in Philadelphia is because of the type of person Jalen Hurts is and has proven to be <clears throat> and for the most part I agree with that I I don't think he's going to create waves uh, we always talk about the whispers uh, he's generally not affected by those but I do think people dismiss the fact that at some point everybody has a breaking point <laughs> and we said, nobody's talking about Kyler Murray. I just looked at it. Oh, Pro Football Talk has it up now. Uh, talking about the potential trade partners for Kyler Murray. And sure enough, Philadelphia will in there. Yeah. Now, it's just speculation. Before, before we it's go not out, reporting. Well. It's not reporting. It's just speculation. But, you know, they said the 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 three teams that lost out on, on Deshaun Watson. Uh, so, um what was it? The Saints, uh, the Panthers, and who am I missing? Either, either way. And the Eagles. Um, and it's just because Falcons. Thank you, Xander. Um, and it's just because the Eagles, everybody thinks they need a quarterback. Because And why does everybody think they need a quarterback? Now, a lot of fans, because I get this all the time, Jody, think we're making all this stuff up. We're not making all this stuff up. The Eagles are, you know, they were really hot and heavy on Russell Wilson and and they have been really since uh, he was drafted. They can't stop talking about it. And and Deshaun Watson as well. Um, now, ultimately, and I've said it before, 
we see how fiscally responsible this team is, whatever term you want to use. I don't think they were paying what Cleveland paid to Sean Watson and certainly not fully guaranteed. So ultimately it wasn't going to matter. I can't, but for the same reasons, I can't believe they'll go anywhere near Kyler Murray. Um, not He's clearly a better player than Jalen Hurts. He's clearly a very good player. But we now, we're now at seven quarterbacks, Jody, I think. Might be eight, seven or eight. Over $40 million average annual value. Kyler's going to make $40 million, whether it's in Arizona or somewhere else. Plus, on top of it, yeah, you got to give up all the draft assets to get them. Not going to be cheap. I don't think the Eagles are going to be in that conversation. The Eagles won an upgrade over Jalen Hurts, but they only want a superstar upgrade. And from their evaluation, that superstar upgrade was Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. Aaron Rodgers, we know, was not realistic, so throw him out the window. That There was no concern or thought from the Eagles because they know that was completely out of the box. Um, I don't think they want even that next tier. They would rather wait for it in the draft um, and, and go the more cost-effective route and you at least get the, the four years, really three years now, of, of – before you have to start talking about extension. But as a second-round pick, we're already basically there with Jalen Hurts. you got 12 more months. That's it. Then you got to make a decision. And the assumption that people – I can't tell you how many people, Jody, have told me, well, just make him play out his final year of his rookie deal. You can say that. You can say that all you want. But what you're showing, not only the player, but also the team – you're saying we don't believe in this guy. There are there are bigger statements by not working out your an extension with a quarterback. Nobody, Jody, in this league ever wants to go into season with a lame duck quarterback or a lame duck coach because the finality is obvious. They don't believe in the guy. And if everybody knows you don't believe in the guy, well. Everybody knows you don't believe in the guy. It's as simple as that. It is not preferable, but it is not a toss either. I I actually think it could come down to that. And I know uh, you just made a uh, pretty uh, well laid out plan as to why it wouldn't work. But sometimes. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You just get caught between a rock and a hard place. Ask the Washington football team who did it with Kirk Cousins for a couple of years. And they made the playoffs with Kirk Cousins as their quarterback playing on a franchise tag. Didn't make a Super Bowl, didn't make a long playoff run, but they did make the playoffs. So it's not, oh, my God, if you got a guy playing on a tag, you're destined to be 4-13. and 13. Uh, That's not necessarily the No, case but I wrote either. about this because you're right, Jody. He's, he's the template, right? Kirk Cousins is the template. I wrote about this 
on at Philly Voice this week on Philly Voice. Um, here's the path you're talking about with Kirk Cousins. You you have to have a player who believes in himself, right? Is willing to bet on himself, um, which is not hard. That part of it's not hard. You have to have a player that plays well enough to where he's worthy of franchise tag money, but not well enough to where the team says, oh, I'll pay him a lot for one year, but I don't want to get a cost-effective deal done for three or four years, which the Eagles want to do. So you have that side of it. And then if you go to next year, which which Washington did, it's a kicker of 10%. Right. And Jody, the franchise tag for this year, for this year, was $29 million a quarterback. And that was before the rework deals with Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford and Derek Carr. And and I'm missing one. Yeah. Uh, So that's only going up. What's it going to be next year? 32? $33 million? You're in the same boat anyway. So the path is not worth it. Um, And the only way that would come to fruition if the player himself says, you know what? I deserve $45 million. And I'm willing to take $33 million for two consecutive years. And that path is so small, Jody. You know, I probably spent too much time discussing it that that it's worth discussing. It is the exception, not the rule. You and I agree on that. I'm just saying it's not an impossibility. Oh, it's not an impossibility. It's not zero. Most places, certain things have to line up perfectly, and they did in D.C. for them to go down that road with Cousins. There are similarities here, which if most teams, it's a 2% chance of happening. I'm saying here in Philadelphia, it's more like a 10 to 15% chance of happening just because what the player is, what the player has achieved so far, the organization strategy, you've laid it out for us on many a time. The Eagles aren't a team that's willing to just throw all the chips in the middle of the table and say, we're all in on this. No, they're patient and they don't don't let the, the market dictate them. We continue to talk about the wide receiver position. Yeah, that's scary for me from an Eagle perspective. The fact that it seems that they're a little trepidatious to be ahead of the curve on the wide receiver market. That I keep throwing names and you're going, yeah, but the Eagles aren't going to jump into that market. Yeah, but that's not the Philadelphia Eagles. That's not the way the Philadelphia Eagles do business. Well, because of that, that's why I'm telling you, Jalen Ray, Jalen Hurts going down the franchise tag might be something that they would be willing to do because if they don't really believe that he's a $45 million quarterback over a number of years, well, we can just take it one year at a time. Well, yeah, and that's why I put the number 30 because that's where it is. And I don't think they think he's a $30 million a year quarterback. So, and by the way, I can't necessarily disagree with them. And that's why I think it is all, I like I've said it on the show before. I'll get people mad again. Why not? It's Friday. Got some time to mull it over and stew it over. They've already made their decision. They're trying to get in a position to take a quarterback in the 2023 draft. Now, he's got he's got the luxury of 17 games, right? And I say that's what Jalen Hurts has. 
And if you play well enough in the NFL, nobody's taking you off the field. So he does have an opportunity to change their thought process, but he hasn't changed their thought process to date. They don't think he's a $30 million quarterback, never mind a $45 million quarterback. And that's 30 is going to be below average pay, believe it or not, for an above average quarterback in two years. It's going to be, it's going to be a bargain. It's going to be a bargain. It already is in a lot of ways. Um, you know, people talk about now that we've seen the spike and we just brought up Kirk Cousins, now he's kind of a bargain uh, at, at, at his rate. Now that you have eight quarterbacks or over 40 million and Kyler's coming down the pike and boy, I don't want to be the Cincinnati Bengals with no liquidity with Joe Burrow because you got to put all that stinking money, that guaranteed money in escrow unless they change that rule. Um, Justin Herbert, it's going to explode the quarterback market. Agreed there. Uh, And that's why I think it's so intriguing with this year's draft that the NFL is probably those teams who are in need are going, man, did we really need this quarterback year this year? This is where we needed to fill in some of those blanks to do a little hedging and get your future quarterback for the next five years and know when you're not getting into that 30, 35, 40 million dollar plus range. Except the bottom line is you have to have faith that the player can actually achieve that. And with this quarterback class, I'm sorry. I just uh, sorry, Kenny Pickett. Sorry, Malik and, Willis. And here's how I described it. And that's why Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis are going to get pushed up the board. And we'll see how high, but I think they're both going to go in the top 14, which is going to help the Eagles. Um, uh, the Eagles are fine paying less than $2 million for competency. And that's what they're paying Jalen Hurts right now. Um, they are not pon- fine with paying $30 million for competency. And that's where they will be. And sooner, rather, people don't realize how soon it's coming with Jalen Hurts. That's the issue. That's the bar. That's the difference. And that's what they have to try and decide over the next uh, year or so. Because we all believe Jalen Hurts is getting this year. Um, We'll get our Ed Kratz up here in about 10 minutes, and I'll pimp Ed again. Because several weeks ago he said, you don't discount the Eagles using a first-round pick on a quarterback. Still a possibility. Hasn't been eliminated as a possibility. Yeah, it has. They're not taking a quarterback with either. 51. Uh, I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me at 51. But uh, but I will say, I don't think any of the top Hold five... on, hold on. 51, if they haven't signed anybody else between now and a draft. Corner, safety, wide receiver, uh Defensive end, I don't really. I like a couple of DNs. I like Ingram uh, still sitting out there on the board, but I don't think the Eagles are going to sign him. Uh, but let's say they sign none of them. You really think they're taking a quarterback of 51? Well, here's – no, I don't. But here's where they could. If if Matt Corral or Sam Howell fall to 51, I don't think either is falling to 51. I think they would take them. Sam Howell's going to be there at 51. I, I, I don't think he is. So – I think the top five quarterbacks are going to be all gone by 51. So you're not going to have to worry about it. Now it'll be interesting if he's there and I know you're not a Sam Howell fan, 
But I mean, you talk about the mock drafts, you can find plenty of mock drafts that have Sam going in the first round. I don't think he's dropping below 40. We'll see. Uh, I don't think, I think, I think three guys are going in the first round, no doubt about it. And it's Pickett, it's Willis, and believe it or not, it's Desmond Ritter, who NFL people seem to like more than draft people. Um, and then I think there's going to be a fourth, and it's going to be between your, as Howie likes to say, your favorite flavor. Obviously, Jody McDonald's going to pick Matt Corral. Oh, yeah. Other teams are going to pick Sam Howell. But the loser of that debate, so to speak, is, isn't going to last long on day two. In fact, you, you know, now that they have the three day, you know how this works, Jody used to work when it was two days, there was a big, you know, always a big trade up, not always, but a lot. Somebody would mull overnight and say, Oh wow. So-and-so still on the board. I'm going to trade up to the top pick in the fourth. We saw it here with Matt Barkley, Chip Kelly, uh, top pick in the fourth round. Um, the Eagles traded up to get him. They're mulling it over. They're that's saying about, that's about where Sam Howell should go. Top pick in the fourth round. Always happens. Day two, somebody's going to trade up to 33rd and say, oh, Sam Howell's still on the board. We need a quarterback. Let's go get Sam Howell. Something of that nature. Won't last past 40. That's my prediction. It, there's a difference. Your point about the top of the fourth round is dead on and accurate. There's a difference between trading up to the second round because teams would rather trade up to the first round. If you're going to take a guy at 33, yeah, you're going to you, do, you do, you're going to do whatever it takes option. to get the 32 so you can get that extra contract year. Now it's going to be that much more difficult this year because the Lions are sitting there at 32. Yeah. And I think the Lions are a player for quarterback. Up. They're not going to take one at the top of the first round, but they're probably going to take one at the bottom of the first round. So I don't know that. Uh, I would love to see uh, the Detroit Lions surprise everybody and take Malik Willis. But number two, let's see if that happens. But. Um, then then they'd be willing, probably. You're right. You you always want 32, that. Yes, if they you're... take a quarterback with number two, yes, thirty two is very much in play. You're for a trade for a quarterback. You're right about the fifth year option with quarterbacks. Um, it's certainly preferable. I just know that when people have time to think about it overnight, they always make. Oh, there's always a bunch of teams that want to move up to get a particular player. So I was talking more of the overnight perspective. Um, and and look, I was told, and I said it, the Eagles have those five quarterbacks that we're talking about rated above where they had Jalen Hurts in 2020. So, And they took Jalen Hurts at 53. Now, people get mad when I say that. That doesn't take into account the evolution of Jalen Hurts. They're very excited. And one of the things the Eagles say behind the scenes, players usually have ebbs and flows when you talk about their development. They get better. They take a step back. Jalen Hurts has been consistently getting better each and every year of his career. And that's rare. That's rare when you don't have ebbs and flows. He's gotten consistently better. So, what I'm trying to say when I say they have five players graded ahead of where they had Jalen Hurts when he was coming into the league, that doesn't take into account the evolution. Um, so they'd be taking a step back by going in that direction. So people will say, well, why don't they take them up there? Because player development is real. 
and they only want a superstar quarterback to move on at this point, which they haven't been able to get. Um, but the point is, this this quarterback class gets yeah, it's not good. I'm not trying to say it's good, but it it's gotten to the point where it's a little bit underrated because people take it to this absurd degree. And I'm not talking about you specifically, about these guys can't play at all. These are these are bridge first and second round picks. These are good prospects of the top five in this class. They're just not superstar level prospects and you usually have some at the quarterback position. That doesn't mean they're terrible, terrible players. And I think people have taken it to taken the baton and taken it too far. These are these are good players. They're not great. Good prospects is probably the proper term. They're not great prospects. Yeah, I don't think Sam Howell's a starting quarterback in the league. We talk about uh, generational talents and franchise quarterbacks. We have a lot of words and tags that we think most people understand what we're meaning when we say them. Uh, starting is a pretty obvious one. You're one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the league. And oh, by the way, that's not even always 100% accurate. Uh, you could have a guy who's the 40th best, but he's starting for you and someone else has got a backup that's better than your guy who's sitting on their bench. So uh, I don't think Sam Howell achieves top 32 status in the NFL at any point during his career. That's just my evaluation of the player. Um, but the one thing that bummed me out from earlier in the show, um, and I'll get Ed Kratz's opinion on this when we punch him up. Finney was the perfect guy to talk to about it today because he's doing sports talk in Baltimore these days. Kind of a forgotten guy is Lamar Jackson. What's going to happen with him? Talk about a domino falling. Yeah, Kyler Murray is grabbing the attention again today because he's uh, threatening through leaked information what is uh, the Mike Sealski phrase again? Information brokers. Information brokers. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's doing some information brokerage with uh, Lamar Jackson with uh, Kyler Murray that he's uh, potentially going to hold out if they don't get a contract done. Well, yeah, he's not holding out. No, uh, there are no more holdouts. Too much money. Oh, you didn't you didn't read into that today that that's what he's actually threatening. Yeah, but he can He will him. not play. I've heard a report. He will not play if they do not have a contract. Well, he could if he doesn't want to play. play. It, it, that's always your option, but you're going to take some pretty significant financial hits with the new CBA if you're going to hold out. So people can say whatever they want to say at this point, but it's just negotiating. Well, that, that's what you have to do if you still got a year to run on your deal, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Murray's not even knocking up against it. Like Baker Mayfield, he's now going to play this year, wherever he's going to play, if he's going to play on the fifth year of his contract. Same thing with Lamar Jackson. We're, we're a year away from that. And Murray, if he's trying to force a deal to get done, the only way you can do it is by threatening to hold out. Yeah, and Lamar, Lamar is, yeah, but the threat of holdout is not like it once was. I mean, it's not realistic. Like, you can stay away from voluntary work and – you know, that's big for quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are expected to be there because they're leaders of the team. So you can do some different things. But one of the things where D. Smith got a lot of criticism for is that, you know, holdout, traditional holdouts, like if you don't show up to training camp, the, the fines are so substantial now. Um, and he can't waive them. It's written into the CBA. Back in the old days, you, you can say, we're going to find him. We're going to find him. They stay out for four weeks and then you go, 
oh, we we got a deal. We're waving the pods. Can't wave them anymore. Right. Not allowed. Um, so it's just not it's just not tenable. But you can do some different things, and it depends on you know semantics. Like people say, you can't hold out a voluntary work. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's voluntary. It's not mandatory. Uh, so it's not technically a holdout. So again, it's all semantics. There's some things you can do, but he's not holding out at training camp. If he does, uh, he's not going to play. I could. I. I. I, I guess it's always possible to say somebody is can walk away and they're not going to play, but yeah, uh, maybe a guy who was a first round draft pick in baseball and signed a contract with the yeah, open and, A's and, and he has some other minor leverage. league seasons with him. He's actually got an option. And I'll tell you why I think it is viable, John. You're right. The CBA change, which makes it less viable for most players, but the quarterback market has just gone through the roof so much this year he's on his last year as a uh rookie quarterback they'd have to claw back he's scheduled to make less than a million dollars he's got a Jalen Hurts type season this year and that's where I think the CBA does uh kind of cover the player's rear end you're only finding him out of nine hundred and sixty five thousand dollars he's already got his signing bonus the fines are, and I, I'll look them up in the break. The fines have nothing to do with salary. It's uh, they're just constant, everyday fines. Um, How big can they be? Uh, I'll look them up in the break. I think it, it's pretty significant, though. It's significant to the point that D. Smith uh, got a lot of you know what for it. Uh, but I, the baseball part is. Yeah, see, I think that's. I think that's more guys going for their third contract than their second contract. Cause now you're already making money. Now you're already in the tens, uh, fives, tens of millions of dollars. That rookie contract, I think you can threaten to sit out and be uh, effective and not get crushed by fines. Uh, well, before you sign your rookie deal, um, which are slotted. So that is not, viable from the standpoint of you're just wasting time because it's slotted so people talk there's some argument you'll see every year a couple guys that'll take long they're usually uh arguing about offset language which i've always described as a married couple that doesn't like each other anymore and just has to fight for the need of fighting uh because it only matters if you're an abject disaster and a failure and you can't double dip. But anyway, I'm getting too far in the weeds. Holdouts, and I'll explain it. And I'll, I'll look it up in the break. I'll explain it better after the break. If they're not tenable in the NFL anymore. Now, you bring up the baseball part of it. Um, that's more interesting. Because if he has another option to do something else, you would know better than me. Is he still a legitimate prospect in baseball? Yeah, no one would know. It was a legitimate first-round draft pick, and he played a couple of years, and he looked okay. He didn't look, oh, my God, he's Bo Jackson and going to be an all-star player. But he looked okay, but uh, the, the A's would probably take him back because um, they, they're in desperate need of cheap talent. And that's what he would be because he already got his signing bonus. That's the big part of it when you're originally drafted in baseball. All right. Ed Kratz is scheduled to join us next. Yeah, it is the schedule time for the Eagle Maven. He's stretching. He's getting ready. He wants to talk Eagles football with you here on Birds 
Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Joining us now is our buddy, uh, one half of the Eagle Maven on SI. Ed Kratz jumps aboard here on Birds 365. Sorry from the mis- for the miscommunication earlier, Ed. Uh, could have been me. Could have been John. Could have been Xander. Could have been you. It was me. It was me. Believe it me. Was it you? was you? You're taking a hit yeah, for this? John sent me a text three days ago and asked if I could do the show. Yeah, Friday see, now, and- I, I, I should give the reminder so that I'm going to no. blame it on Sander. Sander took the blame. He said, no, but you put 920 in the text and I just, you know, I just kind of, well, yeah, used, it I should have so said 820 and I, you know, yeah. I, all right. So you know. here's the most important question we're going to ask you. What the hell do you do for the last hour? Since you were here at 820, <laughs> ready to go. And we're punching you up now. Uh, did you conquer the world in any way from 820 to 920? Well, uh, no, I did not. I just kind of, uh, 
I wish I had an exciting story to tell, but I really, you know, an hour just kind of flew by. Cup of coffee? coffee. Cup of coffee. Uh, there we go. Yeah, read, a, read my book. You watch the Today book. Show. Uh, you go no, out I didn't watch them. television. I, okay. I read. I read a book. I, you know, I brought wow. the trash out, you know. Read, read the read. book. Yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the People middle of this 850-page Stephen King. Uh, wow. You know, these Stephen King books just, you know, there's page after page. It's the one about JFK, 11-23-63, I think, or 62. I think 11-23-63, the, the date that Kennedy was assassinated. It's a pretty good book. I'm, I'm enjoying All right. it. Very All nice. right, there we get. So, uh, yeah, that's what I did. Nothing, you know, no big story. I didn't go out and solve the world or go for a run. I certainly didn't go for a jog around the down the neighborhood. That's for sure. It's nice. You can do it. It's finally it's, nice out. Somewhat nice out. Yeah. It was it, a little nice. sunshine. It's a beautiful yeah. day. Yeah. All right. It's Ed's book club, not Oprah's. Should we look under our chairs? Maybe we got a free gift. Everybody at home, <laughs> look under your chairs. Damn nothing. Uh, yeah. The Eagles need a couple free gifts, Ed, in the draft. Jody and I have been discussing. You know, a lot of GMs in this league talk about, you know, filling as many needs as possible before the draft so you don't feel the necessity to reach for a particular position. I got to tell you, Howie always talks about this being a long process, talent gathering season. And he's right. But up to this point, I think the Eagles have more needs now entering the draft than they had when they entered free agency. Is that fair or, or foul? No, I, th I think you're right. I mean, it just seems like, you know, now Steven Nelson goes and signs down in uh, Houston. That kind of takes another cornerback off of how he speed dial should the cornerback market not develop the way he hopes. But um, yeah, I mean, he even said that the, the free agency for them is kind of about just sort of building depth um at different positions and really you know he got an edge you know he got an edge rusher and Hassan Reddick and you know rebuilding that pass rush is going to really take precedence for them as the offseason goes on I think they'll accomplish something in the draft to try to beef that up even more and they they bolstered their linebacker core a little bit but uh you know they got a receiver two receivers if you count the uh hurdler from Oregon um <laughs> but uh but they've done nothing at the cornerback spot or the safety position. I mean, they brought back Anthony Harris, which is all well and good, but you know, he's a stop gap, you know, 31 year old who I guess he's only making two and a half million this year. So one year contract. I mean, they really need to address those two positions. And it's weird that we still talk about this cornerback spot. Um, you know, last year was the same thing. And I remember asking Howie, uh, after two rounds of the draft last year when they didn't have a cornerback yet, like what what's happening at the cornerback spot? And he said, well, there are different ways to skin a cat, blah, blah, blah. First pick of the third day to get Zach McPherson, and then they bring in Steve Nelson. So, you know, this to me is shaping up more of the same this year. I mean, if they don't get a cornerback in the draft, I will expect them to probably try to acquire one in the summertime at some point like they did last year. And that may come via a trade like they did in 2017 with Ronald Darby uh, coming from Buffalo for Jordan Matthews. We might see something uh, along those lines, but it's so early in the process. But to me, cornerback and, and safety, the, the secondary, again, is a position that they need to address. All right, Ed, I want to take you down the best guest scenario road, which I'm sure we did 
a month, month and a half ago, when the Eagles had the three first-round picks. There were four possibilities of what could happen. The Eagles could stay put and take all three picks in exactly the spots they had them. They could trade up, target a guy, use another first-round pick, get to a spot to get a player that they thought was a franchise-type changer, the one that Howie seems to prefer, trading down to add more draft capital, uh, still could be in the first round, but later in the first round to add another pick, or trade out and trade a pick that's in this year's first round for a future first-round pick. They already did that one. They got that done with the Saints. Are one of the three, one of the three other options has to happen, but which one is more likely of the two that don't include just staying and taking the picks where they are, the two that they have right now, 15-19, um, trade up to get a targeted player or trade back to get more draft capital? They've already got a lot of draft capital with the Saints trade. Which is more likely, trading up or trading back? I would probably say trading back uh, with that 18th pick. Um, I, I just think the nature of this draft is so uh, unpredictable. It's hard to find a consensus top five or top ten. You know, you don't see the same guy going to the same team, and you don't know how the quarterback uh, position is going to fit into this, or, or one of these two guys or two of these guys, Willis and Pickett, going to go in the top ten and push talent even further down. Uh, so, you know, listen, I, I think if the Eagles just stay put at 15 and let the draft come to them based on who's coming off the board, there's still going to be a player that they can take at 15 uh, that I think they'll be happy with. And then with that 18th pick, I, you know, listen, it's a long stretch between the 18th pick and when they pick again at 51. Uh, there's going to be a lot of good players that are going to come off the board in that span you know, depth type players, players that can be starting players. And I just think that's a pretty long stretch for someone like Howie, who I think is going to probably want to find a way to make a couple picks between, you know, when they would pick at 15 and then before they pick at 51. I think they would try to spread that out a little bit and have, uh, you know, two bites at the apple uh, later in the first round and then another early second round pick before they pick again at 51. So I could, that to me makes sense to go back from 18 to wherever, you know, mid-20s, late-20s, and try to get another early second-round pick so you can kind of space your picks out a little bit better. Um, but that said, last year there were two cornerbacks they really liked in this draft, J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan, and they would have taken one of those guys had they fallen to 10 or wherever. Had the Eagles been able to trade up to 8 or 9 to get one of those guys, they would have done that. So if they see a guy like Sauce Gardner – uh, you know, kind of floating down boards, which I don't think he will. I think he's probably a top five guy, but who knows? Nobody knows, really. Um, but what if Derek Stingley is sitting there at 11 or 12 with, you know, Washington at 11 or 12 with Minnesota? And you want Stingley. I mean, I think he's the second best corner in this draft. And I think it was Todd McShay said when we had him on a conference call that he's talked to teams that have Stingley higher than Sauce Gardner. So, um, Listen, if I could see them making a little bit of a move up if one of those guys starts to drop a little bit. But, again, if I'm the Eagles, I'm thinking, listen, we have enough players that we like. We could find it 15, and let's see how this draft kind of evolves on April 28th. And let's just sit tight. Let the draft come to us. We'll take who we get, and then we'll see if we can move back with that second pick. 
Well, so I'm, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to go trade up for this reason, Ed. I was. I was looking at uh, at this, and and I want to run it by you. So, Howie's been here for a long time, as people know. He he arrived, I think, in 2000. People forget that. So he's been with this organization for a long time, but he's been the GM since 2010, and you know. It's a collaborative process, as Jeffrey Lurie always points out. So we don't know who's responsible for all these picks in that time. But if you go back to 2010, which was the Brandon Graham year, I think Brandon was the 13th pick. Um, since then, they've gotten some really good players. They got Fletcher Cox. He was a tw- number 12 pick. Lane Johnson was fourth overall. Carson Wentz was second overall, and people can say what they want, but he helped him win a Super Bowl. And then last year, he had Devontae Smith, who was 10th overall. Now, in that same time frame, you have Danny Watkins at 23, Marcus Smith at 26, Derek Barnett at 14, Andre Dillard at 22, Jalen Rager at 21. They can't go under 14. <laughs> they can't go. They start at 15 and 18. If they want to get good players, they've only gotten a good player at 13 and above, Ed. Is that fair? Or is this going to change this year? Yeah, you forgot Nelson Aguilar in that. Uh, oh, I forgot Nelson. And Nelson was 19, maybe? I, I think, or 20. Yeah, right around that range. Um, but. Listen, I mean, and all those guys, Aguilar had a great Super Bowl. He had a great 2017 season. Carson Wentz had the great 2017 season. So it's not like they washed out completely. Uh, Dillard, to me, still holds some value, right? I mean, he can only play left tackle. I think that they'll try to trade him. Um, you know, he's due his, uh, his fifth-year option. They have to decide on him in May. But uh, I don't think they're going to give him his fifth year option, but you never know. But I, listen, I, I think you can find a good player at 15. I, again, this draft is very deep. I mean, this was, this was a draft everybody pointed to during the pandemic where, okay, this is going to be a good draft. And I, and I think it is. And I think you'll be able to find like a Jordan Davis, maybe Jordan Davis might fall to 15, you know, and he's, yeah, I, I would take him. I would, yeah, take I, him. I would absolutely take him. You know, you, you could have a guy at 15 that, you really like, you know, Devonte Wyatt, you could have maybe Trent McDuffie fits in there. Um, I don't know how much they like him a little bit on the smaller side, but there's going to be a player that, you know, I think they can take at 15 who will be a starting player um, for this team or heavily used in a rotation if it's a defensive tackle. So um, I, again, I could see them trading up John, like you say, to maybe get into the you know top 12 somewhere, maybe 12 with the Vikings maybe 13 with the Texans, maybe jump up two spots if there's someone they really like floating there. But again, it's the type of draft where if you sit tight and be patient, not one of Howie's strong suits, granted, I think they'll be fine. All right, Ed, let's uh, do a specific position deep dive here, and that's safety. Um, They watched their uh, starting safety for the last several years. Uh, McLeod leave this week. Big loss. And, big, loss, uh, yeah. big loss. They have an opening there. Um, I, I think you're part of the crew. We all like Epsi. We all appreciate what Epsi brings to the table. 
And we all kind of think Epsi's a role player. He's not a starter. He's not a guy who's going to be a difference maker. He'd like having him on the team, but he's just not a starter. But he would be their starting safety as of right now. There's a Pro Bowl-level safety available that you could go get. His market apparently isn't what it should be because that's why he's not signed this far into free agency. The Eagles have at least shown some interest in him. And I'm referring to the honey badger. Why do you think he's not a Philadelphia Eagle yet? If he's even going to become a Philadelphia Eagle, Ed? Well, because the Eagles haven't given him a three-year, $30 million contract offer, I think. I mean, it's going to come down to money with the honey badger. And at this stage with him, I would just wait until after the draft to see, you know, once teams come out of the draft and they say, hey, we didn't get the guy we want. We need safety help. And then maybe Matt, Matthew gets what? He wants, which is a multi-year deal starting in the double-digit millions, right? Like $10 million plus for at least two years. And, you know, you know, I, th- I don't think the Eagles are ready to go there yet. I don't think any team is ready to go there yet. And I don't think any team will be ready to go there until the draft. Uh, you know, now that said, <laughs> maybe he'll sign on Monday or later today but I with some team, but I just don't see it. I think it would be beneficial to him to wait to see maybe his price goes up. After the draft, the team gets a little bit more, uh, you know, desperate when they didn't get what they wanted in the draft or hoped that they would get uh, because of the way the the, the board fell. Um, but, yeah, if the Eagles offer him what he wants, he'll come. I mean, it, it's all about, you know, at this stage for Matthew, I think it's all about, you know, the money. I know he wants to play for a Super Bowl contender at this stage of his career. You know, maybe the Eagles just don't, you know, fit that bill for him and he's waiting for the Rams to increase their offer. Uh, maybe even the Steelers, they're kind of in the mix. But I think if the Eagles gave him three years, $30 million, Matthew would sign on the dotted line in a heartbeat. They're just not going to do it. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty obvious that that Tom Ryan is going to wait uh, at least probably until after the draft. And at least if, if, in, in case that desperation increases in one of those cities you're talking about, Ed, one of them could be Philadelphia. So I look at the draft and we talk about edge rusher a lot. We talk about wide receiver. We talk about corner. We don't talk about safety that much because the Eagles have never taken a safety in the first round of the draft. Obviously they're going to draft one at some point, but how high would you consider a safety in this particular draft, especially if Kyle Hamilton starts the fall because he didn't run that well at his pro day. If he falls to 15, mm. do you think the Eagles consider him and take a, a first-round safety for the first time in franchise history? I, I think they'd be foolish not to. Um, if he falls to 15, my goodness, yeah, I would I would take him. Um, it's interesting. If he's there, Davis is there, though. Jordan Davis, I, I think they'd probably go with the defensive lineman over the safety. But if Davis is gone and maybe Wyatt's gone because, you know, Hamilton is falling. So some of these teams that we think will take him could take somebody else or going to take somebody else. But I haven't seen a mock draft. I don't think that has him falling out of the top 10. Well, we've seen a bunch. Oh, yeah. Have yeah. you? Wait, seen, one, yeah. one had him going down in the 20s to the yeah. Patriots. The Eagles wow. passing on him twice. Wow. Twice. I didn't, 
I didn't see that. Uh, who was that? Yeah. Your your uh, your son Jody? Was that one of your kids that made that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, somebody on was somebody on uh, NFL.com. NFL Network. Yeah. See, that's what we're NFL about. Network. Yeah. This draft is so unpredictable. We just don't yeah. know how it's going to unfold. And you know, I don't see the Eagles and Howie making a move like he did last year when he jumped up two spots. It was during the draft when that deal was consummated. But if Hamilton falls and he's sitting there at nine or ten, I, I think the Jets would take him at ten. But I think the Jets want to trade back. I really do. I think they want to go back out of that ten spot, and it makes sense for the Eagles, right? The relationship between Joe and Howie, they work together. Um, I don't know how close they are, you know, off the field, but they did work together. They have a relationship, a good working relationship. The Eagles could jump into ten and maybe grab Hamilton. Listen, I. I had them mock draft. I had them taking Dax Hill at 15, the Michigan safety. Um, I mean, I just think this kid is so versatile. He could be like a Malcolm Jenkins type player for this team. He's 21 years old. He can play all over the defense if you wanted him to. And he's a guy that obviously if you draft a safety, you've got him for four or five years in your system to develop and to have at a price control. Look at the price that safeties went for in the offseason. It was exorbitant, the amount of money these safeties and receivers got in the offseason. So, you know, to me, the NFL has evolved, and you you have to find guys at those positions that you can bring in and develop. And maybe, to me, it, it feels like the right time to take a safety because I love the skill set of Dax Hill. I love if Kyle, if Kyle Hamilton's there, you, you take him. Um, I would. But, yeah, by the way, it was Tom Fornelli from oh. CBSSports.com who had him going to 21 to the New England Patriots with the Eagles passing on him twice. Man, uh, that, that would certainly be a conversation for Birds 365 the day after. Uh, oh, we'll yeah. let you in on it, too. We'll just run a stream of guests coming through here to scream, what the hell were the Eagles doing not taking Kyle Hamilton? <laughs> there's, well, even if – I mean, there's going to be a lot to talk about coming out of that first round. There's no doubt. Um you know, and we all like, you know, how he likes to make trades, but it takes two to tango. And, you know, we all say, okay, trade up, trade back, do both, whatever. But it's it's hard to do that. You know, you have to find the right match. Um, so it's not as easy. It's easier said than done. But, yeah, if they pass on Hamilton twice, shame on them. Because, you know, I safety is certainly a position you need to address here. If yep. you want to be in the conversation as a Super Bowl contender, not this season, but next season when really that's supposed to happen. This year, I don't think they're in the Super Bowl conversation. But next year, they could be, depending on Hurts, Jalen Hurts. But you need a safety that, that can come in and take control of that defense. And I, I just think there are two really good ones. You can get a guy in the second round, and that's probably where it's going to happen. Or maybe the third round, they'll take somebody. But you why not get one of the best? Why not go for one of the best safeties and do something you've never done before and take one in the first round? And that brings us to the start of the conversation, Ed. They need a safety. They need a corner. They need a defensive tackle. They need an edge rusher. They need a wide receiver. Mm. Um, there's too many damn needs on this team, Howie. So you can say uh, it's – and he's right. And he, he is right. It's, it's, a, it's a long process talent gathering season, as he likes to call it. And they got Steve Nelson two days before training camp last year. Yeah, yeah. So you can get competent players over the summer still. And it could be the trade route, as you mentioned, with Ronald Darby during the Super Bowl year. Um, 
But boy, you never know how it affects you on draft night because maybe Jordan Davis is there, but you need a corner so badly. Um, you take a Trent McDuffie who doesn't have the size maybe you like, or uh, maybe you want to take an edge rusher, which I know Jody uh, wants to take, and George Karloftis is there. But you feel the need to take Chris Olave because you didn't get Calvin Ridley. All of this is sort of a butterfly effect. Um, and the Eagles have put themselves in a position where – even if it's just human nature, they're going to have to lean towards certain positions. And I, I think that's a mistake. So I want your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, you mentioned all the needs. So I just think they take the best player available at one of those positions. Gosh, there's so many, you know, receiver, edge, safety, corner. You mentioned them all. Um, maybe the Eagles aren't as desperate at corner as we think they are. Uh, because of the Tay Gowan, who I liked a lot, I got to tell you, coming out of the draft last year from Central Florida, you know, but they maybe they, you know, feel comfortable with him, Kerry Vincent and Zach McPherson. But if you get into training camp and you realize, hey, these guys just aren't doing it for us, then that's when you begin to think about a, a possibility of a trade. And, you know, maybe that's where Jalen Rager gets traded, right? I mean, He's been in the news this past week, uh, you know, the Eagles taking calls for him. I mean, that's all well, you know, I've been told that they gave Rager's agent permission to go out and try to find a deal. Um, but again, Howie's just not going to give him away. But if you get into the summer and, and you don't get a corner in this draft because you go with an edge rusher, and I agree with you, I, I would love to see them take an edge. I, they need a defensive tackle. They need to rebuild that defensive line for all positions on that defensive line. But if you go into the summer and Gowan and McPherson and company, they're not doing it for you. Then you have to start to investigate a trade. Um, you know, Stefan Gilmore is still out there. He was with the Colts. Everybody thought he would sign with the Colts, but he's another guy that probably would benefit by waiting until after the draft to drive up his value. But, you know, maybe he's available, you know, Deshaun Elliott's still out there, a safety that has. No, he signed with the Lions. Oh, he did. Okay. Because right, I well, thought that was the guy the Eagles would would yeah. would look at. They never did. It yeah, surprised surprised. me a little bit. Very surprised. But you know, there there's there's names that maybe you know come to light in the summer where teams begin to look at their roster and they've been in practice for a couple of days. They had their OTAs and they start to think, you know, we're not as strong a position X as we thought we would be. And the Eagles could feel that way at corner if nobody came and then you start to generate a trade at that point and to trade Jalen Rager after June 1st is a lot better than trading him before June 1st in terms of his contract. I think it's a seven point something million dollar dead money hit prior to June 1st, post June 1st. I think it's only 1.8 million. So, uh, you know, that would be beneficial. So, I mean, listen, there, there's all sorts of ways you can go with, with the position of need if they don't get it in the draft because they have so many positions and, I don't think it's a very deep group of cornerbacks. Um, you know, you have your, you know, the ones everybody mentions, Gardner and Stingley, but then you have Booth and, you know, Andrew Booth and Trent McDuffie and uh, maybe Roger McCreary from Auburn is in there. But after that, I don't, I don't think it's real deep. But Cincinnati's got Kobe Bryant, um, but he's more of a third round guy. But, you know, if you don't get one, you're going to have to trade for one, I think, or try to sign somebody that's out there in the weeds that they think can help. Uh, 
And that's why I'm not sure they take a corner in the first round. I think the safety is more of a, a bigger need uh, than a corner just because they have guys at corner. Whether they're any good or not, we don't know. But they don't have really anybody at safety. Oh, I like Marcus Epps maybe more than you guys. That You look at his numbers as a 26-year-old. He played over 50% of the snaps, did very well. Um, can he grow in this defense in his second year? We'll see. Well, Jody and I, real quick before you jump in, Jody, we Jody and I were discussing it earlier when we were talking about veteran players. I think Jody asked me, would you rather have Honey Badger or Stephon Gilmore? And I said, for the Eagles, I'd rather have the safety because they play so much cover too anyway. Mm -hmm. I think you can get by with a corner like they got by with Steve Nelson, whereas Jonathan Gannon really wants that versatile piece in the back end, like a Malcolm Jenkins, like he had in Minnesota with Harrison Smith. Um, and that's what, what Matthau does. You mentioned the kid from Michigan, Kyle Hamilton. All those guys could do that. So maybe it just makes more sense for how Jonathan Gannon wants to run his defense. Yeah, I, I you know, again, I, I would go, I mean, listen, they give you, Dax Hill is more than just a safety. He's the guy that can play the Malcolm Jenkins role of you know he can step into the slot you know he could probably cover you as a corner if he needed to he can play the linebacker spot I mean he would be a very versatile piece at 21 years old I'm pretty high on tax hill you can tell uh it would shock me if the Eagles draft him as it would Kyle Hamilton but for it to happen with Hamilton I, he would really have to slip and maybe the guy from CBS Sports is right you mentioned that he's sitting there at 20 and the Patriots take him or 21 and the Eagles pass on him twice which would be foolish because I really do think in this day and age and in this Jonathan Gannon defense, I think safeties are very important. And I would agree, Matt, Matthew or Gilmore, between Matthew and Gilmore, I would take Matthew in this defense. All right, Eddie, let's wrap it up on this note. Uh, turn back the calendar one year ago. The coaching staff was new here to Philadelphia. They hired head coach who had no head coaching experience, limited uh, coordinator experience. A lot of people yeah. went, who's this Sirianni guy? Um, but the Eagles have done their drafts under Howie Roseman the way they've done their draft, and they like to say it's a collaborative effort. But that collaborative level can shift from year to year, and it probably shifted a little backwards last year because these were all guys who had just added to the organization during the offseason. Now we've had a regular season, a winning regular season, a playoff regular season. All right, they got their rear ends kicked by the Bucs in the playoffs, but they did make the playoffs. If the coaching staff's impetus into the draft was X, and this year it's X plus because of the season they had last year, how big is that plus? Uh, well, it's, it's a big plus. I mean, there, there's familiarity now, right? I mean, how he knows, you know, Jonathan Gannon and uh, Nick Sirianni and you know, kind of knows what they're playing. And he, you know, that having that familiarity should help in the draft, you know, identify exactly what they need to put onto this team for it to be successful. So, you know, that familiarity, I guess that plus that you're talking about is, is huge. Um, that can only help. Uh, I thought they did a nice job in the draft last year on that short notice when they brought Sirianni and Gannon in kind of identifying players that would fit. Obviously, it was pretty easy to get a Heisman Trophy winner in here in Devontae Smith, and he looked good. But, you know, they did a good job getting Landon Dickerson and 
Milton Williams looks like a player in the third round. And I, and I really think Zach McPherson's going to be given a lot of opportunity uh, to win that starting job opposite Darius Slay. I think when he got uh, some playing time last year, he, he did okay with it. You know, uh, he had his ups and downs, but really second year guy now, fourth round draft pick, he should be ready to come in and, and compete to start at that cornerback spot. Um, but yeah, I, I think this year, if they have another draft like that, and now knowing that what Sirianni and Gannon want to do, it can only help. All right, Ed Kratz, si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. You can read Ed there. You can read me there as well, if you so decide to do so. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Kratz E. Um, you can follow him there. We're doing a lot of draft stuff currently, so make sure you stop by. Uh, I'll end it here with you, Ed. Eagles obviously start the process at 15, 18, 51. Um, give me one guarantee as far as a position or a player that they're going to come out in those first three picks. No doubt about it. 100% Eagles are coming out with a an edge, a receiver, or maybe a particular player. I would say defensive tackle. I mean, you look at that group. Ox one one year year to year player now. Uh, Jody's shaking his head at you. That's a Jody. That's a Jody. Uh, a disimproving going, look. I'm surprised he didn't go quarterback again like he did previously. <laughs> They're not taking a DT <laughs> unless hey. unless the big kid from Georgia falls down and somehow somehow he's available because I think he like Hamilton is a top five talent. And if you can get him at 15, you just can't pass. But there's not another defensive tackle that's worthy of going. Maybe uh, you went first two rounds, right, with your question, yeah. John? Yeah. Uh, so maybe maybe well. Eddie's right at 51. Yeah. I mean, Perrion Winfrey there or Logan Hall there, perhaps, uh, second round. I, I just think they need to get somebody on that defensive line. And it could be an edge. You know, that would be my 1A if I had to pick one position, guaranteed. But I'll go tackle. Um, because they did bring Barnett back. Think about Barnett. I mean, listen, I, I think they could use an edge as well. Um, you know who I really like in this draft real quick is that kid from uh, Northern Iowa, Trevor Penning, the offensive Trevor lineman. Penning, yeah. How would you, what, what kind of shock would that be if the Eagles end up taking an offensive lineman? Hey, Lane's going to be 32. Yeah, and he'll Lane. be their swing tackle. And this guy plays like John Runyon, man. He's got that attitude. Plays, you know, gives you a couple shots after the whistle. I love that about Trevor Penning. So, well, I would say you got to move Andre Diller. So, what is uh, 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 one more for you? We'll sneak it in. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, is Andre Diller going to be here on May 1st? That and is Jalen so. Rager going to be here on May 1st? Uh, uh, May 1st? I, okay. I'll, I'll say yes on May 1st. After June 1st, I'm not sure either player is here, to be honest with you. I would probably mm-hmm. say uh, no to at least one of them. Uh, and it would probably be Dillard just because of the positional value that he gives you. He's a left tackle. Um, and I think he's shown that he is good when he gets on the field. Good enough for a team to trade for. So good enough for some of these crappy teams. Yeah. Yeah. Rager, maybe not so much, but definitely uh, Dillard. I can see him being traded. And listen, then you're going to need a swing tackle. Okay. So keep Trevor Penning in mind as my sleeper pick for the Philadelphia. The Raven Eagles. Clark yeah. is your swing tackle, Ed Kratz. Okay. Quote the Raven. 
for Nevermore. They, they never will more. be taking offensive linemen. I'm just not we sure. We started with Stephen King. We end with enough. Edgar Allan Poe. How I'm about that for a show? More third round than they're out for the Eagles. Pro- probably right, Cody. Line. Probably right. But I just, I just love this Penning kid, man. I would love to see him uh, come to Philadelphia. He'd be fun to cover and fun yeah. to watch. He, you're right. He's a player, but he'll be gone when the yeah. Eagles are thinking about uh, taking a, an offensive lineman. Ed, good stuff. We're certainly going to get you up again before the draft. Tell Stephen King we said hi. <laughs> All right, fellas. Nevermore. There is Ed Kratz <laughs> here with us on uh, Birch. There we are. I All said right. Stephen King and Edgar Allan Poe. You get it all on this show. He is a literal knucklehead. That's what he is because <laughs> he likes quarterback and offensive line for the Eagles. All right, coming back, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. We've got to put a bow on the show. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Maga Mac guys, last couple of minutes. We got wrapped this bad boy up and ran a little late with Eddie Kratz. Um, day 13, 13 days until the draft. 
Well, we got to knock two more off, so we'll be down almost to single digits by the time we get back next <clears> week, Johnny Mac. Anything of consequence happen over the weekend for the birds? Uh, probably not. They're going to wait till after the draft, but something of consequence happened over the break, and that Stefan Gilmore is signing with the Colts. So, cross another Colts. one off the list. Uh, two years, $23 million. We'll see how it works out. $14 million guaranteed. That according to Adam Schefter. So, um, yeah, he's gone. And if that's the case, that makes Honey Badger to L.A. more logical which means the Eagles are still going to be left holding the bag. They better get some secondary help in the early stages of the draft because it still needs upgrading. All right, that will something we'll definitely be talking about come Monday. J-Mac, have yourself a good weekend. You too, buddy. Yeah, I got uh, maybe maybe. Oh, well, you got the uh, place to yourself. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe stop by. Uh, maybe the you. dancers will be coming over this afternoon. I'll give you a heads up. Uh, we shall see. Uh, yes, the Birds 365 duo of McMullen and McDonald will be back here Monday early. Be here. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.